Welcome back in to the courtroom of current events with another episode of Peter's Proffer. Today we are going to be talking about something we get from clients all the time. They are shocked to hear that we don't get the video surveillance in their case right away. Um, And they're also shocked to hear that their recorded conversation with their boss screaming at them is inadmissible. We're going to hit all sorts of topics on video surveillance what the issues are, why we don't always get it, and what can come up if you try to record somebody without their knowledge. So thanks for listening in with us, and if you ever want us to talk about a topic, just shoot us an email, petertragos at greeklaw.com, or hit us up on social media at tragoslaw. Additionally, if you listen and you like our podcast, leave us a review, leave us a five stars, some comments, anything you want on any platform you listen on. All right, thanks for listening in. All right, we are here, Peter Tragos and Peter Sardis, to talk about video surveillance, security cameras, and everything in between. So what we first want to start out with is something that a lot of people don't know is, is there an actual law that requires businesses, convenience stores, anybody really to have security cameras? You know, there's no statute that says you have to or you don't have to have surveillance. There, there's no criminal statute, there's no civil statute Correct. that says that. But if you think about it from our perspective as a plaintiff's PI lawyer, if there is co- some kind of injury or you know shooting or something that happens on a property where a security camera could have prevented that, you could be uh, under the negligent security statute. You could have a cause of action for negligent security against you for not having that camera, even though it doesn't require it. Sure, especially in circumstances where you have knowledge that you have a violent uh, condition around your property. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's like if you, you don't, there's no statute that says you have to use you know this kind of paint on your stairs, but it's negligent if you use this slick paint on your stairs as, oppo- as opposed to non-slick paint or non-slip paint on your stairs. You know, it's just kind of common sense. It, certain kind of businesses need to have security cameras even though it's not illegal not to have them. Yes, sir. Correct. Okay. So what, what we really want to do this topic for is we have so many clients in so many cases and just people around the area and we hear from other lawyers, the same issues they see, you know, they're at, you know, some convenience store or grocery store, they slip and fall on some water, they hit their head, they go to the emergency room. They saw a camera up there that caught the whole thing because they've got a concussion. They can't remember it or, you know, they didn't uh, take a copy of the incident report. They didn't know what was going on because they just slipped and crushed their head on the ground. But they know there was video surveillance. So we should be able to get that video right away to show what happens, right? Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. Absolutely not. And that's what they all think and that's what they all tell us. So we're here to talk about today why that um, assumption is wrong by lay people and even myself. I mean, I would think that makes sense. There's a security camera there. It should be easy enough, like you see in the movies, for them to go in the back, pop the VHS out, and we should be able to make a copy of it. Well, that's not how it works in today's day and age. Um, And we're going to talk about a number of different reasons. Um, The first one we're going to talk about are dummy cameras. So explain what those are, Pete. A dummy camera is something that looks like a camera. It sounds like a camera. It smells like a camera, but it's not really a camera. So it's not recording anything. It's not picking up anything. It's not being saved anywhere. There are a number of different kinds of dummy cameras. Some really don't even have a wire connected to them. They literally are just a camera to look there, which or to, to look like you have some kind of security, which is supposed to de- deter criminal activity in your store, in your place of business or wherever you are. Even some people put them out their house. So if it looks like somebody's going to come rob your house, it looks like you have a security camera or you put that ADT sign in your front yard. You know, it makes some people hopefully not want to come rob your house. Some dummy cameras are just for that purpose. But then there are some other dummy cameras that 
um, are actually a live feed where somebody is sitting in a back room and they can actually see what's going on in the store. They're just not recording. Um, and then there are also some recording rules with some cameras that don't keep the um, content forever. Why don't you talk about that? What it's called purging. Purging is, okay, let's start with this. You are not obligated to keep every stitch of videotape you've ever taken right. in your store. That would be unreasonable. The key, though, is you have to have a corporate policy on what is reasonable. I'll tell you, most big retailers, uh, 30 days is pretty much the max. And we talked about this um, with my dad on the body cam podcast on how it's just impossible for the government to pay to store that much video for all time. Yeah, I mean, it's And it's, it's the same preclusive. thing with these stores. The, the courts don't force these stores to just lose money by keeping every video that ever happened. Right. And as long as you're in compliance with your corporate policy, and, and some small mom and pop shops may not actually have a corporate policy, but they have, for example, a video system that runs on a loop. And every time, the, you know, every five days or 10 days or 24 hours sometimes, the, the camera just uh, starts recording from the beginning of the tape. And you can, you can argue that a certain period of time is too short as a lawyer in a civil case, like 24 hours, for instance. That's pretty unreasonable, in my opinion, because that doesn't even give somebody the opportunity to request that video. Um, and I'll jump out of order a little bit because I think this goes better here. We're going to talk also some videos are just lost, quote unquote, or even destroyed in some cases where there's a civil case. So what do you do as a plaintiff's attorney to try to fight against the fact that either there's this corporate policy to purge it, um, you know, within 30 days or stuff gets lost or destroyed by these businesses. What can we do? We have this thing we call a spoilation letter. And what that thing is, is it puts the other side on notice that there is a recording. We want a copy of that recording. It is necessary for litigation purposes. And we put them on notice that this is something that they should not purge or not destroy. So as soon as they get that, they send us the video, right? Never. Yeah. So they don't actually send us the video, but what that does is it basically tells them, save the video. Don't delete it. Don't lose it. Don't send it anywhere. We want that video. And sometimes, in some cases, they still destroy that video. And the spoilation letter is also used for certain kind of evidence. So if, you know, it's a products liability case and the, you know, airbag had metal in it, we tell them to keep that airbag so that you can still, you know, use it in the future. But with security camera footage specifically, if they destroy that footage after the lawyer sends them a spoilation letter, what happens, Pete? What's our, what's our uh, remedy for that? Your recourse, basically, is the videotape's gone. So the court can instruct the jury, if you get that far, uh, that they should have a negative inference is what it's called. So they can consider the fact that the videotape was destroyed uh, in the negative light to the defendant. Meaning, I'm going to stand up there and say, you know this videotape showed that they slipped and fell on this big puddle of water, but, you know, X uh, company destroyed it so that you weren't able to see it. I'm going to make those type of arguments if you can get that kind of curative instruction from a judge because we don't have the benefit of that video. So sometimes you can argue the video is even better than it was, but a lot of times you don't know what it, what it even showed as a plaintiff's attorney because it gets destroyed before you ever saw it. Um, and then you can have situations where if somebody like your client saw the video, like I've had cases where they'll bring my client and show them the video and then the video gets lost or destroyed after that, then you can have your client testify to what was actually in the video in that case. Yeah, the court's got a lot of leeway as what they can authorize as a remedy for the spoilation or the destruction of the videotape. Okay, so we've talked about dummy cameras, purging, lost video, destroyed video as reasons that we just don't get the video in a lot of cases. Um... Next, let's talk about the main reason we don't get it in a lot of these cases, and that's because the defendant, wherever, whoever that company is where you got injured on their property or something happened on their property that you're suing that company, 
or that store, they block your ability or our ability as plaintiff's lawyers to get that video as much as they can. And it's different results in every case, but why don't you talk about how they block it? All right, let's start with the basics. Unless you're law enforcement, you have no right to go and ask for anybody else's surveillance. Um, So what happens is unless you file a lawsuit, you as a plaintiff don't have a right to go and get this video surveillance. We always have conversations with defense attorneys. Well, you can't really see this in the in the video. You can't. Really, it, it's not good for you. And then we say, well, then why don't you just send it to us so we can look at it? Yeah, and they'll they never almost send it to never you. do pre-suit. So we've got to file motions once we get into court to try to force the judge to force them to give us the video. But they have arguments that can prevent us from getting it at least early on. At least, yeah, from the front end. Here's a deal. There's a whole slew of case law uh, that's uh, that's active in Florida and in the federal courts, and it basically says. A a videotape is discovery. And what that means in layman's term is it's evidence in the case. And that is discoverable. There are some issues where something... When he says it's discoverable, he means we should be able to get it as plaintiffs. We should be able to get that video from the defendant. Right. The rules allow you to have it. Right. And there are some instances where that videotape is something called work product, meaning it was either done by a lawyer or done in preparation of litigation. And you may not be able to get that unless the other side intends to use it. Now, there are circumstances where a videotape is not work product. For example, you're walking in the store and you slip and fall. That's really a uh, an evidentiary videotape. Not, Most of the time, it's frankly not work product. Yeah, unless there's a, you know, frankly, unless there's surveillance at your house because they you're cutting always, the tree down. Yeah, well, they always make that argument, but it's usually not work product. The argument they're more successful with is that it may affect the plaintiff's testimony. Right. Why don't you it's explain a, that a little it's bit? It's a timing issue. A lot of defendants will argue in front of a judge that we'll give them the videotape, but we want a chance to actually take the deposition, meaning the sworn statement, of the plaintiff so we can actually capture what their recollection of a series of events was. And they'll argue that, judge, we don't want to give him the videotape so he can tailor his answer to what the videotape shows. We want to hear what happened and then compare it to our videotape. Meaning if he says, oh, I slipped in a puddle of water on aisle four, when in reality... He slipped on rice in aisle 17. Right. Well, he's going to look like he doesn't know what he's talking about in his depot, even though he did slip and fall. So they try to keep that from the plaintiff. A lot of these cases deal with head injuries, though. So that's problematic for us sometimes when it comes down to the details. Um, And sometimes they'll argue not just the plaintiff, but even any eyewitnesses that are there that we have to do those depositions before they turn over the videotape. The, The case law pretty much says the court has wide discretion in this. There are cases where the courts are like, yes, you can have the videotape, but you're going to take the plaintiff's deposition first. After that happens, immediately after that, the defendant is supposed to produce the videotape to plaintiff. Um, There are instances where the court says this surveillance tape is just evidentiary, meaning that it just shows what happened and you might be able to get it right away. But I'll tell you what, it's going to be a fistfight. Right. And in, in most of our cases, what we're showing and what the case law says to do is Basically, the defense has to bring the surveillance video to the plaintiff's depot and actually hand it to us after it's over as to not cause any delay and to show there's no real delay tactics. They really just don't want the plaintiff to watch it prior to their depot, which I mean, I I guess I can understand that, but I don't understand why if it's there, why the plaintiff can't see it. The defense gets to build their whole case up based on what it shows. So why can't the plaintiff do the same thing? It seems like it's kind of hide the ball type of issues that that doesn't make an even playing field, in my opinion. But of course, I'm a plaintiff's lawyer. Because it's not an even playing field. Right. So, okay. So those are the main reasons why we just don't get the video as quickly or as often as everybody in the world seems to think that a lawyer can get a video. If, If they were there, they saw a video camera, you should be able to get it, which makes sense. 
But those are some of the roadblocks um, for plaintiff's lawyers to be able to get that video surveillance. Usually we're successful in getting it and we can get over those roadblocks. Now let's transition into the second part of the podcast, which is everybody has a, a video camera on them at all times in their phones. Some people have dash cams of GoPros uh, connected to their dashboards as they're driving to catch whatever happens, just like that Uber driver on in the most recent Stand Your Ground case where the guy gets out and says, I have a pistol and the Uber driver shoots him. Well, he had a video camera. Everybody seems to have a video camera, but they don't always use them properly. And sometimes they do things that are frankly illegal with that video camera or recording device that they have. So let's first talk about what some of the rules are in where companies or private um, people in your houses, where you can have video cameras and where you can't. Public areas are basically a free-for-all. Yeah, a free-for-all. You can do whatever you want. If you're, if somebody's doing something in public, assume that it's getting filmed and put out there, just like if you post something on Facebook. At this that point, you have released all protection on whatever it is you're doing if you do it in the public. Right. Now, if there's a presumption of privacy, and I'll give you a couple examples. The bathroom, changing rooms in retail stores. Uh, I don't know. What else would be considered private? Bedrooms. Bedrooms, yeah. yeah in I mean, in, in uh, like hotel rooms. Yes. That's bad. You can't record when people would presume that there would have some semblance of privacy. Gym locker rooms with showers and things like that. Now, let me put a caveat out there. Unless you have a court order or like a wiretap uh, like the government does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not talking about that. We're just talking generally speaking where there is a presumption of privacy. You can't put a camera up there. Business, private, whatever. You can't put a camera up there. Public paces are usually fine, which is why when the camera is shooting out towards the parking lot, that's totally fine. Even shooting inside the store, the camera shooting inside the store, perfectly fine. Right. Um, Another way that it comes across our desks a lot is in these personal injury cases where the insurance company pays... Uh, some private investigator to follow our client around and film the fact that they're lifting their groceries. Um, and they try to make it seem, oh, they're faking an injury because they're lifting their groceries. That's, yeah, that's what I was talking about earlier about some guy sitting up there cutting, you know, pruning his tree when he says he's got a back injury. Listen, this is a topic in and of itself. But yes, uh, when you're in litigation, the defense counsel really do pay people to go video record. No, the insurance company. Yes, the insurance company. You're right. Pays for people to go and record the plaintiff in their daily life. Yeah, and and there are some arguments as to whether or not that's proper. We won't get into it today. There's some things that we would argue that they do that's not proper. But generally speaking, they're only filming you in public places, kind of along the lines of the rules we're already talking about. Right. The last section and the most important section here that we want to talk about is recording people without their knowledge. I can't tell you how many people have come into my office saying my boss, you know, cursed me out or said something discriminatory to me when he was firing me or yelling at me and I recorded it on my phone. Let me just play it for you and I can prove my case. Or, you know, I filmed this guy, um, without him knowing as he was, you know, taking drugs or whatever. Somebody brings that to us and our automatic response is what? Destroy it because it's a crime. It is literally a crime in Florida. Pete, you have the criminal statute, right? All right. Yeah, the criminal statute on this is 934, uh, 0.03 through 0.07 are the criminal statutes. And the 10 cent version of this, in Florida, we are what's called a two-party state. In other words, both parties have to have knowledge and notice before a recording can be made, which is why when you call customer service, it says, this call may be recorded. Correct for quality assurance and whatever other reasons we want to use it for. Yeah, but, they can say for teaching purposes or whatever. The point is they can use that when, however they want to once they tell you they're recording this conversation. Right, because you're on notice. Um, 
I don't know about other states. Some states are single-party states. That's not a discussion for now. But the second part about it is if you, in fact, do record someone in the state of Florida. Well, hold on. Before we get to that, I think I know where you're going. But but in Florida, it is a third-degree felony. That's where I was going with it. Yep. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I thought you were going to get to the civil liability. No, no it is. We'll, a, we'll get there in a second. But it's actually a felony in yes, Florida. Yes, it is a a crime that is punishable by more than a year in prison. It's worse than a first time DUI. It is. Yeah. You go drink and drive, get arrested, do field sobriety exercises, go to jail for a DUI. That is a lesser crime than just recording a conversation of your boss screaming at you without their knowledge. Right. So it is very serious and it's a protection of privacy for people that so that everybody's not recording everybody, especially without technology is today. You just can't record anybody without their knowledge. So don't do it again. You see these people recording police officers or stuff happening in public. That's different because it's a public place, and usually they say, I'm recording you, whatever. But we're talking about you walk into your boss's office, you slip your uh, phone in your jacket pocket, and you're recording the conversation without them knowing. That's what we're talking about that's illegal. And not only is it a criminal problem for people, but if somebody ever does this to you, it's interesting for you to know that they also may have some civil liability. Pete, why don't you tell them what that is? Section 934.10 actually says on top of the criminal penalties that can be imposed upon you, you have a statutory right, a cause of action against that person. So what does that mean? You actually have the right, pursuant to the statute, to sue them for doing this if you have any damages uh, that are not quantifiable. It is at least $100 per day, not to exceed $1,000 if you can't quantify it. Uh, you have the right to get an injunction against them to keep them from actually disclosing the videotape. Right, so they can't post it on Facebook or use it against you in court, or things like that. Right. There are punitive damages that are automatic for the statute, as opposed to you having to prove that you have the right to punitives. So, and punitive damages are to punish that person to prevent other people from acting like that person acted in this situation. And this is one of my favorite sections. You don't even have to pay and hire a lawyer to do this because the statute. Well, you have to hire a lawyer. That's true. You got to get a lawyer to take the case. But the law says that you get attorney's fees and costs if you win this. So the person that does this to you has to, at the end of the case, pay your lawyer all of their fees and costs for prosecuting this case for you in the civil court. Right. That's about as serious of a civil statute as you can have because it's guaranteed punitive damages guaranteed attorney's fees and costs and guaranteed actual damages of $100 a day. You don't even have to have to actually have damages. That's the thing that's crazy is most cases you have to prove actual damages, meaning, you know, I hurt myself. I have a medical bill or, you know, I lost money because I couldn't go to work. You have to actually prove what those numbers are. In this case, you don't have to prove that. Let me tell you, do you remember, and this is maybe showing how old I am, the videotapes Girls Gone Wild. Do you remember this clown? And he would come to Florida beaches during spring break and make young ladies, you know, expose themselves. Right. They got sued. And this is the statute that had the teeth. Now, the only thing they had to, uh, they had to surpass was, did the people have knowledge that they were being recorded? As right. long, if they could, if they could, uh, the plaintiffs could prove they had no knowledge, it was fair game. And they were going to get attorney's fees, costs, punitives. It was a crime. That guy did go to jail. Yeah, I mean, it's... This is a serious, serious issue. So do not be doing this now that you know that it's a crime and you could have this civil liability. Okay, so that was a little lighter topic. Thanks, everybody, for listening in, and we'll get back with you guys next time. 